Welcome to UX Radio, the podcast that generates collaborative discussion about information architecture, user experience, and design. JJ Kircher has 20 years of experience as a designer and product strategist. She's currently the head of customer experience for real estate at Appfolio, where she leads a team of designers and researchers passionate about creating excellent customer interactions. Appfolio's customer experience team strives for consistency and continuity across devices within the product and at every touch point across the entire customer journey, from sales to product onboarding to support and loyalty. This episode was inspired by her talk at Enterprise UX about the design maturity model. Here are your hosts, Laura Fedoroff and Chris Chandler. Hi, and welcome to UX Radio. I'm your host, Laura Fedoroff. And I'm Chris Chandler. And today we're going to be talking with JJ Kirscher. She is the head of customer experience for Real Estate Appfolio. And we're really excited to talk to you today. JJ, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, you recently spoke at Enterprise UX about the maturity of a design team. And I'm curious what made you think of that topic to discuss at that conference? That is a great question. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about design maturity. I'd seen several different versions of maturity models over the years. And I've been at Appfolio for eight years. I was the first person to get hired as a UX designer. And we've seen a lot of growth and we've come such a long way. And as I reflected back, I really thought about looking at that maturity model in the early days, seeing us kind of on a little bit of the lower rungs and feeling frustrated that we weren't just skipping up to the top rung. And as I reflect back at my eight years at Appfolio, it dawned on me that all of that sort of came into place over time. And uh, I wish I could tell myself eight years ago to have a little bit more patience, that there are incremental changes just like the work we do, everything is incremental. And we made very deliberate investments each year to try to grow that maturity, whether or not we were conscious of it or not. I would say we weren't conscious we were doing that for about the first three or four years. And then we started leveraging the maturity model to sort of see how can we climb our business's maturity to the next rung instead of what we all want to do and say, how do we get from rung two to rung six, right? So this was really inspiring to me and uh, wanted to sort of spread the message to other designers who might feel frustrated about where their organization is in terms of maturity and offer the encouragement of kind of a roadmap of saying, look, just be patient hang in there. There are specific things you can do along the way and you'll get there. You'll look back and pat yourself on the back and be like, all right, yeah, we're, we're doing really good. JJ, I just want you to know that, uh, I mean, I saw you present that at Enterprise UX and I was completely blown away by it. And just so you know, I've actually shared it with probably 10 people since that time. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's such a topic in our work. We're always running into companies who are doing sort of a digital transformation or they're doing a customer-centric transformation. In other words, they're lower down on the maturity model. Sure. And it's been super helpful, uh, I think. It's a great resource and we'll include a link to it, obviously, in the show notes. I loved your comment about how much of this process was conscious. Mm -hmm. Are there specific points, are there specific decisions 
that were more meaningful, that were turning points al along those runs. You mean specific stages where we became conscious? Not whether the decisions were conscious, but more like what were the key moments of decisions that actually, looking back, that were the real difference makers, the things that transitioned, that helped transition between one to the other? That's a really great question. I, I think, and I, I, I have to, you know, tip a hat to my boss at the time who hired me, who really helped set me in the right direction. And he helped me kind of orient to Apolio's culture. But the number one thing that I did the first year as the, the sole designer was introduce research. I walked into an already really agile shop, super smart engineers that cared deeply for the customers, which you know, that's half a UX anyway, right? And and totally. when I walked in, I saw a clear gap, which is none of these people had ever actually watched their users use their software. And what that did, without me really knowing it at the time, I just saw that immediate gap and said, this is where I'm going to start. I'm going to start engaging people in research since they're already engaged in UX, obviously. And what that did is uh, develop trust in in me and in our customers and in the process and that really that first year really helped catapult the ux practice that's that's the one that stands out to me the most yeah research as the wedge totally i tell any new designer going in especially design team of one i really advocate for for focusing heavy on research i've talked to designers who go in and they're they dive in they're like we need a design system and from my experience, that's just not where you start. You got to start with building empathy. You got to start with building trust. And so it's it's all about the relationships. I think throughout the maturity model, and I talk about this in my talk, I have a whole bucket of like, where are you going to focus your relationships? Because that has to be intentional. Right. I'm curious about, um, you are talking about the engineers and that they were already deeply uh, empathetic to the users, like what was it, um, what was the turning point specifically that helped change their mind to understand more about research and why it was so critical? Yeah, I came into an organization that already had ease of use as a key competitive advantage. So no one was unkind to me or didn't, you know, was skeptical. But I, when I walked in, I had some engineers saying, we're already doing a great job. We're not really sure why we need you. And in fact, when I was hired, my boss at the time said, I know we need you, but I'm not really sure what you do. <laughs> and so I already had that kind of air of like, we're already doing really great. What are you going to add? And when I, I set up my first usability test, I'll never forget it. I invited, you know, at the time the team was really small. I invite the entire engineering team of like 20 people and I set up a conference room and I put snacks out and I wrote on the whiteboard everything about the customer that we were going to be talking to. And then I went into the room where I would be facilitating and I did the whole usability test. And then I came back into the conference room where they were supposed to be observing and no one was there. <laughs> and uh, that was a real kind of aha moment to me in terms of showing the value. And so I did a lot of evangelism and kind of begged. Uh, I went to a couple engineers and was like, hey, can you help me just get people here? I'll feed you. I'll just, just show up, do me a favor and show up one time. And if it's not valuable to you, then I won't bug you to show up again. And so the second time, my second usability test and I went in and people showed up and this has been constant in many of the, the things that we have tried in our practice, starting with usability testing, 
engineers come back and they say, oh my gosh, I thought that wasn't going to be valuable. That was incredibly valuable. How, how can we have more? Uh, so it's it's been a lot of like, hey, please, please, will you try this? And, and we've tried things where they're like, yeah, that wasn't valuable. And then we kind of skip them and you find what works to sort of build that empathy. So you've been there for eight years. Looking back, how much of the vision do you think you had at the beginning of these different rungs and how they would evolve one after another in the beginning? Like how much did you, do you think you knew early on? Like in year one? Yeah. I wasn't really thinking maturity model, so I didn't have the framework, but uh, I remember being hired as the first UX person. And I remember my boss at the time saying, you know, we're sort of thinking probably over time how this scales is maybe one UX designer to every six to eight teams. And I remember thinking, okay, okay, uh, all right. And I just said, oh yeah, that that sounds good. Because the truth is, I didn't really know I'm coming into an organization, and I think this is key too. I didn't come in with this like, no, it's got to be this way. And I think part of it is that's kind of where I was in my career too. I was sort of scratching my head, especially. I mean, eight years ago, we were really trying to figure out how UX worked in an agile environment, and you know, agile really taking over as being more of a like tech centered practice, so like engineering kind of focused practice. And so I was like, cool, yeah, let's let's figure out what this looks like. But it but in my heart I knew, oh my gosh, like one designer, if you think there's four people, four engineers on every team. So one designer to 32 engineers, I knew in my heart that didn't scale. But I also that that was my hypothesis, right? And so you just plug away and and you do things and Sure enough, that 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 kind of folded by the wayside very early on when we we hired our second designer just a year one year later. One of the things that I think uh, has been really great about that maturity framework is that you know one of the dimensions is that ratio, right, of designers yep. to the rest of the team. I think that's super helpful for people. Um, but but you've touched on a, another aspect of that of that discussion is the relationship between the designers and the agile teams. Um, so not to, not to uh, pick a fight with Peter Merholtz or anything, <laughs> but in his Designing the Design Org, right, he, ta he talks a lot about how sort of, you know, his framework is that the, 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 the design team ha has sort of its own organizing principles and he's got squads that work across scrum teams versus what I think you and I have talked about before, which is having those designers being part of the teams. I'm curious about you know, that, that relationship, how you've made Agile work uh, and what needs to happen for Agile design to be a real uh, going thing and, and maybe any pitfalls or, or uh, uh, mistakes that you could help other people not make. Sure. I need to preface this by my wholehearted belief that it all depends. It depends on the culture of the business. It depends on the type of people that are in other roles like engineering and product. I think we've all probably worked in an environment where you had an engineer that's sitting in their office or maybe even remote and just wants to code. And when you call them up and are like, hey, can I run something by you? They're like, Ugh. right? I, I think I think that still exists. There's engineers like, I just want to code. I love coding. Tell me, give me a spec. Tell me what to build and I'll build that. And I think a lot of agile transformation in as it relates to design has to do with, with the people that you're working with and, and their willingness to actually 
dive in because agile is really just in time. So I have to preface it by I walked into Appfolio. This is one of the reasons I accepted the job was that we had these super engaged engineers and product man, you know, a product manager that really wanted to come to the table and and put our heads together. So so that was key and that was foundational. I'm sorry not to interrupt you, but I love that framing of it. Um, I would say it sounds like uh, one good way to put that is that the organization you came into was already doing healthy agile. Yes. Because that, you know, one way to frame that is a lot of times when people say agile, they're just talking about a process yes. as opposed to that like small committed team. Absolutely. That That is that that is why I, I was in the in my career at that point, I had within the previous two years done like three attempted agile transformations that culturally were not ready to really embrace agile. And when I interviewed at Appfolio, I was like, oh my gosh, cool. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about agile. I want to talk about how design fits into it. So I think there's that component. So I think Peter's framework, and it's his isn't too dissimilar to kind of how I think about it, but I think that we have to work around the culture of a particular organization and the people that are there to figure out what works best. So yes, you and I have talked about embedding designers on teams and that is ultimately what we did in Appfolio and it works really well. We have a fully distributed model. Our designers are, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but our designers, they are accountable and they, their, their team is their team. We have a centralized design team. We meet a couple times a week and bounce ideas off each other, but designers are on teams. They're kind of like, you know, one, uh, con of that is that they're sort of on their own on a team that's predominantly engineers too. So there's there's pros and cons to all of it. And I just think how you organize those, I don't think there's any one recipe. And I think the really versatile designers and, and as leaders, we need to go in and, and be cool with being scrappy. Like I'm going to take a piece of this out of Peter's framework and I'm going to take a piece of this out of you know, what Jeff Patton says and, and all these, these different people. And, and we're going to kind of formulate a recipe that works for where, what our culture is. I'm curious, um, who were the biggest influencers that really helped you nurture this whole maturity model? That is a really great question. Well, at Appfolio specifically, I have to give hats off to Jason Randall, who was the VP of product at the time he hired me. He's now our CEO. And he really helped me navigate the culture and which also had to do with history. Appfolio, by the way, is is a sort not spin-off, but the, our founders, one of our founders also founded Expert City, which became GoToMeeting, Go to my PC. So a lot of the people that were working at Appfolio had come from Citrix. And they had this history that parts of their history that they wanted to repeat and parts that they didn't want to repeat. So I think coming into an organization like that and having somebody navigate the history and the background, um, that was really helpful just in terms of how we want to structure this. And, and before that, I think I was, you know, as we all kind of are, you know, starry eyed over, you've got the... IA Bible, you've, you know, Peter Morville, you've got, you know, Lou and, and all these people that you go and think, ah, you know, this is, this is such a great concept. This design is, is, uh, especially UX design. And this is earlier in my career where there was no such thing as UX design, right? We've kind of familiar to many of us where you're trying to figure out how to articulate that it's not just pixels on a screen. It's, 
it's this whole experience. So I think early on in my career, it was these kind of leaders and champions of, of bringing UX as, as, a, as a function up to the surface, but then going to Appfolio and getting in a true product organization, which I don't really think I had really been in before, and then merging it with uh, what the product people were saying at the time. So that's, you know, I mentioned um, Jeff Patton and Marty Kagan, and I still kind of go back and forth between what the design world is saying and what the product world is saying and, and looking at where those things overlap. And in addition to the agile world, right? So agile coaching and, and going to agile conferences, I've just, I've just kind of sought out all the, all the information to try to figure out what works. JJ, a lot of times we ask our guests uh, to give advice to people who are looking to get into our field. But I'd like to do. I'd like to ask you a different question. You've built a, an impressive and large uh, design organization. I'm curious, what kind of advice would you give to people who are maybe at that mid-level, who are looking to to step up and to take more of a leadership role? What are the kinds of things that you've seen work, or tips that you would give people uh, from your experience? Again, I think it all comes back to relationship building. And depending on your organization, I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's, you need to be willing to be seen. So if you're going to be a leader, a leader uh, can lead your team, but also is trusted by the organization to, uh, you know, really continue to pioneer and push the boundaries. And I think what I did at Appfolio and what I've continued, we're, we're much bigger. I was the 75th person in the company eight years ago, and we're now over 850 employees, which is a lot. And there's a lot of people now in different middle management groups. And now we're, we're getting to, to this sort of bigger company stage. And I continue to deliberately invest in meeting with other leaders across the organization, talking to them about what we're doing, asking what they're doing, relating their stories to, to our expertise. You know, everywhere I look, I see design problems. So I can go talk to customer success about their how they're managing cases, and and I just want to like whiteboard with them about flowcharts, right? So so I think design permeates all functions, and if you're looking to lead a design team in an organization, part of that is is building that trust top up, you know, from 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 you up. And then the other part of it is just showing a track record, which is just heads down and do the work and then share, share out what your successes are. I've been so impressed um, with what you've done there. You have 27 people on your team, correct? As of Monday, I will. It's crazy. That's so exciting. <laughs> and are you still building your team? Are you looking to um, add team members to your team right now? Why, yes, Laura, we are. <laughs> We have a really exciting time at Appfolio. Appfolio has always been intended to be a multi-vertical company, which we are. We're in two verticals now, real estate and legal. And we're a multi-vertical, multi-product company. And as we grow, we have a ton of initiatives and we are growing across all uh, uh, parts of our organization, including product development. So our design team is in particular, we're looking for designers, um, both individual contributors and manager level um, in Santa Barbara and also in San Diego. Um, our product team is growing for any listeners out there that are product managers in the same vein and then also our engineering team. So it's really an exciting time and it's and it's we're sort of expanding out to new ventures to kind of live this dream of Appfolio being 
you know, this portfolio of applications. So it's pretty exciting. And when you're hiring, what's that one key quality that you definitely want to see in candidates? Oh, well, one? not it doesn't have to be <laughs> one, but... <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, the first, just in word association, the first thing that comes to mind is humility. Uh, you know, I was talking earlier about coming into the organization and, and someone saying, oh, you need, we're just going to have one designer for every six to eight teams. And, and I was kind of like, okay, cool. I want to hold on to that as I've progressed in my career, especially when we're looking for leaders. As we, as we get progressed in our career, we tend to get hardened around like the way things are. Um, I'm just as guilty. And I think, you know, anybody keeping that like mind of curiosity that got us into this in the first place and being willing to try new things and come in, you know, my, my, my favorite, here's a spoiler, my favorite answer when I ask people what they would do in their first, you know, if you were to get the job, what would you do in the first 90 days? And, you know, the best answer to that is like, I just want to get to know your team, the, the team, and I want to get to know the customer right? Like I want to understand what I'm dealing with before I can even answer that question. Yeah, that's really that's good. Um, I have one question about the different rungs that you go through during your presentation. I love the part when you have the pyramid and all the steps and you get to, I think it's like stage five or six, and then you show a, a whole new pyramid that's set on top of it of, oh, guess what? There's more. <laughs> um, so yes. where do you see Appfolio going um, right now? You talked a little bit about service design. Like, is that is that your core focus at this point? Yeah. My team consists of UX or, you know, product design, which is really the embedded working in with the product development teams, working with engineers on the product itself. And in maturity, that team kind of like, I would say we, we're, we're really we're really up there, but just like any climbing any mountain, there's like no top, there's always, there's always work to do. Right. So part of what that was trying to demonstrate is like, just cause you're at run six doesn't mean you're kicking back drinking my ties. Right. There's still work to do. You have to maintain those relationships. You want to keep trying new things, but our product design practice is, is pretty baked in our research practice. We've had that for about four or five years now. I'd say we're we're still growing that, but it's, it's, you know, what I just said, like we've done, made intentional efforts, especially this year of getting out to the business to share what we can do, sh share our successes and, and growing what those capabilities are. And then my, my key focus personally is kind of spinning up. Yes. This, this service design discipline within the organization, uh, which is really, you know, we, we, I can go on and on about organizational silos and, and, all the things that we've seen in talks about service design. Uh, but, but that's where I don't, in some ways it's kind of starting back on the lower rungs, but we could only have a service design practice because it's built on this foundation of nailing product design, then research, and then saying, okay, cool. You know, the business is like, this is great. You know, you guys are doing awesome. And I'm like, cool. Well, guess what else we can do? And, and all that has been, just sort of chipping away at, at showing our capability. So I'm really excited about the service design practice that we've spun up. It's super duper in the lower maturity phase, just because we're trying to get different organization you know, or different departments in the organization to perceive themselves of having design challenges and, and how do we work together on these really meaty problems that require this cross-functional collaboration. It's, it's hard. I'm gonna prepare you. This is gonna be a tough question, but Really curious about what you think of or what you hope your legacy will be to, to UX. 
Oh, what's my legacy to UX? That is a really tough question. Well, I don't know about my legacy, but I mean, if, if my career and the way our team has grown at Appfolio is any indication, I'm always looking for the next thing. And I'm always wondering, like, how can we grow this even more? And I hope that I can be a part of the conversation that continues to challenge the boundaries of user experience and design in general. Uh, one of the thoughts I've been floating around in my head lately, my team and I met for lunch to discuss a, a blog post that talked about is UX an art or is it a science? And I thought that was a really good topic because when I work with engineers, I think about, uh, I have to kind of put my sciencey brain on. And when I'm talking to them and advocating for things like qualitative research, I talk about that, hey, this is a social science. Like it's it's legit. It's not just like touchy feely. And and so I always in the in the business, especially people who aren't design oriented, I'm always talking about it in this sort of like trying to kind of I don't know give it legs as a science. And then this idea of of also there's the art form. And when you get too wrapped up in metrics and all these things, we're losing the intuition that goes into design. And after this conversation, I've been thinking a lot about something I kind of alluded to earlier in that those things aren't mutually exclusive. Everywhere I look in my organization, I see a design challenge. Starting to read blog posts from business leaders that have they would never identify as designers, but what they're writing are really, they boil down to design problems. And so I sort of see, you know, designers are, design tends to be this like separate department and it's kind of, you know, we're designers over here and then products here and then we've got customer success and all these things. But I, I really think I would love to see design be more uh, generalized across organizations. I'd like to see more design leaders. I'd like to see more CEOs that came from design backgrounds that can really apply our systems thinking to a variety of different problems. Um, that would be my, my hope, maybe not my legacy, but my hope for where design goes in the next you know, 10 years or so. Well, I for one can't wait to see you as a CEO. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be terrific. I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying design. <laughs> um, so where can people find you, JJ? So I'm on Twitter, uh, not super active, but you can find me. It'll notify me. I'm at JJ Kircher, K-E-R-C-H-E-R. -E That's probably the best way to reach me, actually. I actually worked for you, JJ, years ago, and it was such a great experience. So I'd say to any of our listeners who are looking to apply at Appfolio, um, it would be an amazing experience and everyone I've met at Appfolio is very impressive. And if people are looking to apply for the positions you mentioned, where should they go? Yes, uh, you can find us at www.appfolioinc.com and you can click on the jobs tab and you can see all our open positions there. But feel free to just tweet me directly as well and I'm happy to chat with anyone. I love the way you talk about service design. Um, and I, I got a great vision of to, to extend, to break out of that UX shell of like, we're only about screens. Yeah. And so curious about the relationship between UX and service design and customer experience, right? We, we, we've talked about that a yeah. couple of times. I see everything as a design problem is fantastic too. I was trying to think of like the title for this podcast. <laughs> I think I totally agree with that. Thank you. Thank, I, I, you know, most of it is just like crazy thoughts in my head that I have a hard time getting out, but I appreciate that feedback. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, JJ. Thank you. It was a blast. Really great talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks so much, JJ. We're big fans. Me too. 
UX Radio is produced by Laura Federoff and Chris Chandler. If you want more UX Radio, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play or go to ux-radio.com where you'll find podcasts, resources, and more. Brought to you by Philosophy. Philosophy helps entrepreneurs and organizations validate and develop their promising ideas through agile design, rapid prototyping, and software craftsmanship. To learn more, visit philosophy with an IE.is.